Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a big chunk of additional land has been scooped up for the Eagle Creek Floodwater Storage Basin Project south of the city. Here it is, our first big story of 2022, and it's flood mitigation again. Also this morning, the Federal Reserve has already announced that interest rate hikes are coming in 2022. Good news for savers and investors, but what about the cost of mortgages, credit cards, and auto loans? take a closer look at the cost of borrowing money in the new year. And to keep kids engaged in reading all year long, the Findlay-Hencock County Public Library is launching its Winter Read program this month. We'll get details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. Today is Dimpled Chad Day. And I saw that and I thought, how quaint. Remember when our biggest political controversy were the dimpled chads in Florida after the 2000 election? Remember such a such a simpler time in American history when that was the worst thing that we worried about. Dimpled Chad Day today. It is Free Flower Basket Day, National Spaghetti Day, National Trivia Day today. It is Pop Music Chart Day. Today, the anniversary of the first pop popular music chart based on record sales published in Billboard magazine this date in 1936. So the very first. Uh, and I believe uh, Justin Bieber was uh, number one. <laughs> first uh either uh justin bieber or maybe taylor swift one or the, one or the other i think was number one at very first pop music chart tom thumb day today it is world braille day and world hypnotism day so reasons to celebrate on this tuesday did you make a new year's resolution uh how is it going so far <laughs> We're four days in. Have you broken your resolution already? The American Psychological Association says if you want to see your resolution through this year, if you want to make this year the year that it sticks, it is best to make a goal that you think you can realistically keep. Well, duh, of course, that's the best idea. You want to make a goal that you can keep. But that is a fine line because... Um, you know, it is possible to set your goal so low that yes, it's easy to keep, but it's too easy to keep. It still should be challenging. There's that fine line to walk. Uh, psychological, uh, psychologicalist. <laughs> it's not even a word as my resolution is to not mispronounce easy words. Um, psychologist Jesse Levin says, um, you know that I, you may have heard this term before smart goals goals that are specific measurable actionable I'm sorry specific measurable achievable realistic and time bound will have the greatest likelihood of success but again the r in their uh realistic I had uh I had a boss once that uh replaced the r with a c and called it smacked which is a kind of a weird ac acronym, but he replaced, he said we should replace the word realistic with the weird word challenging. Still should be achievable, but challenging. But uh, anyway, this psychologist says that uh, advice 
before the pandemic is a little bit a little bit different. Her advice now is a little bit different than it was pre-pandemic. She says she now encourages people to set resolutions that offer themselves some grace and self-forgiveness. For those setting more standard resolutions, the uh, American Psychological Association, the APA, says you should change one behavior at a time. Consider sharing your experiences with family, friends, or a support group to reach certain goals, strengthen numbers, as it were. And remember that perfection is never attainable and minor missteps are normal. Uh, Ms. Levin goes on to say people are searching to find mental stability amid a changing environment. So this year, let us not be our harshest critics. Let us offer ourselves kindness, grace, and forgiveness in setting those resolutions. Some advice on your uh, New Year's resolutions. I'll tell you what, um, one of the things, this is kind of interesting, one of the things that may impact whether you are able to reach your resolutions may have something to do with where you live. Now, this time of year, as we shift everything from pumpkin spice lattes to New Year's resolutions, the folks at Wallet Hub are out with their uh, list. They crunch the numbers to find out where people who keep their resolutions actually live. They say the uh, uh, these are the cities that are best at keeping their New Year's resolutions. They crunch the numbers, and uh, let's see. It says a new Wallet Hub survey suggests where you live might influence if you actually keep. Uh, your resolutions meet your goal. The financial whizzes have crunched the numbers. And if you live in Scottsdale, Arizona, you have the best chance of keeping your resolution in 2022. Scottsdale, Arizona. They looked at 57 different data points uh, from plentiful employment for those promising to get their financial house in order, access to gyms, healthy food choices, open outdoor spaces, all in determining which cities hold the most promise for keeping your promises to yourself. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, number one, Seattle was uh, second place, followed by San Francisco, Irvine, California, and San Diego, rounding out the top five. So California, pretty strong. Texas, also well represented on the list. Uh, Plano was number eight and Austin, number 10. So they had two cities in the top 10. Ohio, by the way, did not fare very well at all. Cincinnati was highest among Ohio cities on the list, all the way down at 84th. Uh, There were 180 cities in all on the list. Cincinnati was 84th. Columbus was 89th. Cleveland, 145th. Toledo was number 168. And by the way, Detroit, number 178. So we're still doing better than they are. And according to Wallet Hub's analysis, Newark, New Jersey, dead last on the list. The worst place to live. You want to keep your New Year's resolution. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, Maybe your resolution is to get to know your neighbors, especially if they do not share your political opinions. Maybe we... Make this the year of civility 
in our political discourse. I don't know that I would hold out a whole lot of hope for that, but maybe that is your goal. And if so, perhaps you want to seek out this group. Make America Dinner Again. <laughs> Make America Dinner Again. It is a, uh, an online group that is attempting to bridge the gap of the political divide and give us a better understanding of each other by bringing people with opposing viewpoints together for civil conversations. Uh, they've actually been holding these gatherings to talk politics since 2017. They launched, when they launched, it was an in-person project, and since it has transitioned to a Zoom project with the pandemic. But that also allows them to reach more people, so that's not such a bad thing. And during these virtual get-togethers, people speak about their views on hot-button topics. They do not shy away from any uh, difficult-to-talk-about subject. And yes, they do disagree, sometimes vociferously, but there is always an online moderator to keep the discussion civil. One participant uh, named Patrick, who is a self-described conservative, said he's become friends with a liberal named Wes. And uh, he says now when he thinks of liberals, he says, I don't necessarily see them differently. I just see them before I didn't see them at all. And so uh, Patrick is a believer. Justine Lee, the co-creator of Make America Dinner Again, tells CBS News the goal is, try, is in trying to engage on a human level with those with opposing views because what choice do we have? She says, we all share the country. So can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? This is the time of the year when uh, we hear about the uh, New Year's babies. And um, in Greenfield, California, they had the most unusual New Year's baby, the first birth of the new year, also was the last birth of the last year. A set of twins born 15 minutes apart and in two different years. <laughs> Fatima Madrigal and Robert Turrio of Greenfield, California, welcomed fraternal twins Alfredo and uh, Aylan. One boy, one girl, one in 2021, one in 2022. Alfredo born at 11.45 on December 31st. Aylan born exactly at midnight, January 1st, 2022. So <laughs> twins, not just on different days, not just in different months, but in different years. And they have three older siblings at home. Congratulations to the new family. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and they've got a story for the rest of their lives. This is my twin brother. He was born a year later than I was. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry, we can't say that anymore. We were talking yesterday about the banished words. Wait, what? <laughs> but I have a feeling they may hear those. Those twins may hear that a few times in their lifetime. And uh, how about this? Uh, if there is any doubt that it is a good thing that maybe we are, are into a new year. Uh, let this be the story that we send 2021 packing on once and for all. The old year went out with a bang 
when it started raining fish in Texarkana. <laughs> it was the last big thing to happen in Texarkana. Uh, right before the new year, the city's official Facebook page shared a photo of the raining fish. And apparently this is not altogether uncommon. It's not common, but it's not entirely uncommon either. Uh, they say uh, animal rain is a phenomenon that occurs when small water animals like small fish or frogs or crabs are swept up in water spouts that occur on the surface of the earth over water and that they are sucked up and then rained down at the same time somewhere else. Uh, it does happen, and it has been uh, experienced in several different places in Texarkana. It was right before the end of 2021. <laughs> so uh, the uh, city of Texarkana uh, posted, if this is the way we're going to send 2021 out, Let's tiptoe into 2022 as quietly as possible. <laughs> I'm just thinking now we uh, have a, a good idea that it is, I mean, it's a good thing we're uh, moving into 2022. If this is what 2021 came to, that it was raining fish, <laughs> then it's probably a good thing that 2021 is over. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine today with a high of 39, partly cloudy, windy tonight, a low of 32. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is investigating some breaking and enterings and is seeking help from the public in identifying the suspect or suspects. The B&Es happened back in November on Friday night, November 26th through Saturday morning, November 27th, and appear to be associated. The sheriff's office says five residential garages were entered and an ATV was among the properties stolen. The sheriff's office previously put out a request for assistance in November but didn't receive any leads and is hoping that somebody who knows something will get a hold of them now. Get more on our website. Coronavirus cases continue to surge in the Buckeye State. The State Department of Health says nearly three out of ten COVID tests are coming back positive. That's another all-time high. Governor Mike DeWine said hospitalizations for COVID are at their highest levels of the pandemic. Owen and Angela Ann reporting. Hancock Public Health is encouraging people to continue taking COVID precautions and to get vaccinated. Blanchard Valley Health System recently decided to prohibit cloth masks in favor of N95 and surgical masks. And you can get more on that change on our website. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says there were 10 deaths from crashes on Ohio's roadways during the New Year's holiday reporting period. The 10 deaths is a decrease from the four-day reporting period last year when 14 fatalities were reported. Of the 10 deaths, three were OVI-related and four were the result of not wearing a seatbelt when one was available. Troopers also made 229 OVI arrests and issued 59 distracted driving and 288 safety belt citations over the New Year's holiday reporting period. The Finley Fire Department is hoping one of your New Year's resolutions is to be fire safe. Inspector Eric Wilkins says having working smoke detectors in your home is vital to fire safety. When we have a fire where one didn't work to alert the occupants, it's normally because of human error. Didn't change the battery. It's past its 10 years. Other steps to becoming fire safe include developing a home fire escape plan that includes knowing two ways out of every room. Get more safety tips on our website. 
And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, as we mentioned uh, last week, we got the uh, word that a big chunk of additional land has been scooped up for the Eagle Creek Floodwater Storage Basin Project south of the city. Tim Miley is with us uh, this morning uh, in his capacity with the uh, Blanchard River uh, Watershed uh, Project. Uh, Not so much with uh, economic development, although certainly there is an economic development component to uh, all of this. Tim, thanks for uh, taking the time this morning. Uh, Folks, remember uh, right before the uh, holiday, our holiday break, uh, we were speaking with you and and Mayor Mern on the uh, program, kind of looking back at 2021 and looking ahead to what the big stories would be in the uh, year to come. And uh, I remember we finished up that uh, that segment on the program, and and right after we went into the break, you turned to me and said, "I can't believe we didn't talk about uh, flood mitigation." <laughs> and here we are, uh, right out of the gate in 2022, talking about flood mitigation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still an important topic we need to take care of. Uh, and it certainly has not taken long. Uh, now, this is not quite all the land that you uh, need for this project, right? But this is now uh, pretty much, uh, I mean, this is a big chunk of it now that you uh, actually have yeah, it, ready to, to get this project started. Yep, it, it gets us close to about 700 acres. And if you remember last year, last July, there was a very important step taken when the Conservancy Court, which is the the 14 common police court judges, they amended the official plan to include the Eagle Creek storage basin. And we were, we were a little bit on hold, uh, waiting to see how the court was going to rule in on that. And once they ruled in on that, we went full speed ahead on acquiring this additional acreage. So uh, you've got everything but about, as I understand, about 100 acres uh, yet that you want to acquire uh, for uh, yep. this project, right? Uh, is that right? If you, if you take a look, if you take a look at the map, we're basically from the somewhat of the southern edge of Spring Lake subdivision. If you looked at Township Road 77, heading south to 49, uh, that that's kind of the area where we just most recently did a purchase. And then we have uh, the basin continues to go south, and it's kind of bordered on the east by 68, and on the west by 76. So there, there is some additional land on the east and the west side that we're looking to purchase, and some homeowners that we're working with. So there's there's approximately about 100 acres plus or minus that uh, that we'll be looking to acquire throughout the rest of this year. Is uh, is that remaining property the the most challenging? Because uh, a lot of this is has been farmland, uh, but you're talking about uh, homeowners now. So you're talking about maybe removing some structures and and things like that. Does that complicate the these final acquisitions that yeah. have yet to be made? No, all, all the landowners have been very good to work with, and it's just been kind of this built. The process is the same, no matter if you buy farmland or if you buy residence. And and we've already purchased residence. In fact, in this most recent uh, purchase of the 264 acres, there were two homes okay. on that property. So, uh, and on the Guglielmi property, Hollington property, there was a farmhouse there as well. So we have purchased properties with homes already, but the the process is the same, and it's so important people remember. We have to go out and survey it, and we have to get an environmental, and then we have to get an appraisal, and then there's internal reviews within the Department of Natural Resources. That's where the legislature sets the money before it goes to the Conservancy District. So in each case, as we continue to kind of build out the basin and, and hear from the engineers of what was probably needed or not, and 
and how we design this, you have to go through you have to go through all those steps in each case, which which take time and and it's a proper check and balance on uh, making sure it's all done correctly. Well, that actually uh, kind of uh, leads to the uh, next questions that I wanted to ask and talking about whether or not there is uh, any uh, issues with the remaining acquisition, what uh, you have already announced that you you already have and just purchased. That's big, but again, uh, still some land remaining to be acquired. Uh, Whether or not you can move forward with or without these additional acreages and what all of this will ultimately look like is it just going to be a big hole in the ground yeah um you you mentioned in your headline that we've scooped up some more land and uh essentially when you build this what you're going to be doing is scooping up a bunch of dirt so you can you can somewhat visualize the reservoir as a as an idea of what something like this would look like because the the function of it is this is located directly next to eagle creek which in a in a hundred year storm, you got to remember the reason we're putting this here is because that accounts for over 30% of the flow. So it's a significant portion. And with the benching, phase one and phase two benching and the railroad bridge, the river downtown and, and Lye Creek area coming through, that water is able to get through downtown. So now we're d- designing this to hold the water back. And basically, Eagle Creek will divert into the storage basin and will hold the water during a flood event, and then it will naturally, on the on the east side, flow back into Eagle Creek. And that allows us to keep that water back during a flood event. It increases the capacity of Eagle Creek, so we don't have backflow. I, I live on Brookside Drive, and I can tell you every time it floods, uh, I'm very familiar with how Eagle Creek right. interacts with the sewer system and, and working through. So being able to, to free up that capacity of the creek and not have backflow from the river uh, so all these work together as a system, and it's important that even though the basin has the largest benefit, about 18 inches, we it's, we also had some really good winds late last year, as, as you and I have talked about with, with the benching and the NS bridge. So they all, they all work together. Yeah, um, it, it, but the the actual construction, it, like we said, it would just be a big hole. There's not, uh, there's not a whole lot of, um, uh, I guess, um, What's the word that I'm looking for? There's not a whole lot of mechanics that will uh, have to be. No. This will all happen naturally right. without a whole lot of uh, infrastructure uh, to it'll, to make it happen. It'll all be it'll all be done by gravity. Yeah, uh, the intent is it'll primarily be dry, but we, we are getting some clarity on engineering and construction timeframes. So they by the end of this year, 2022, we expect Stantec to be finished with engineering and design and during that same time period this year, they're working with the Ohio EPA, Department of Natural Resources, organizations like the Army Corps, U.S. Fish and Wildlife. And so there's a lot of permitting, as you can imagine, that's mm-hmm. associated with this type of design. So right now, there's a lot of engineering going on. And ultimately, the engineering is going to depend on the final footprint of land that we're able to acquire, mm-hmm. which is why, why this was so important. The land we just purchased is, is really part of the lowest area. So when you're trying to look at capacity, this was really important property that we that we had just purchased. So fast forward to the end of 22, the plan is to have engineering design finished and then finish up permitting in the first part of 23. 
and at that point, uh, we'll be ready to roll. Well, again, uh, kind of uh, jumping ahead because that was what I was going to ask the timeline on all of this. And it sounds like because this is essentially like is it just a big hole in the ground, once the uh, engineering and the permitting and all of that uh, is done, it should be the project itself should be fairly easy, fairly quick, relatively speaking. It, yeah, it's not a super complicated um, you picture a bunch of pans out there moving yeah. dirt and building walls and that's why they're doing all the geotechnical work right now. If anybody's been out in that area, you've seen a lot of a lot of testing, so they understand what the what the soils are like and depth the bedrock and and working through all that because that all goes into what Stantec is considering on where's the best place to put this and and how deep can we go and, and working through the whole whole process. So there's been a tremendous amount of work going on in the past probably two to three years in the design. So again, a story we will continue to follow. It is one that we'll talk about, I'm sure, more uh, through the course of 2022. Flood mitigation, our first big story of the uh, new year with that uh, additional land uh, being purchased for the Eagle Creek Floodwater Storage Basin Project uh, south of the city. And again, Tim Miley with us uh, this morning. Tim, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. Happy New Year, Chris. So we already know that the Federal Reserve is going to be raising interest rates this year probably multiple times. They said as much in their final meeting of 2021, which, as we were discussing at the time, will be welcome news for investors and savers. But what about the cost of borrowing money for things like mortgages and credit cards and auto loans and so on? Bankrate Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride joins us this morning with his interest rate outlook for 2022. We'll call it an outlook or a forecast as opposed to a prediction because obviously, Greg, a lot can happen over the next 12 months. But first of all, the Fed has signaled probably three rate hikes this year. Do you expect that they will be able to stick to that schedule? I don't think they're going to be as aggressive as they think they're going to be. I've got them raising rates twice this year. Three is certainly plausible. Frankly, so is four. But uh, that really doesn't take into account the inevitable unpredictability, yeah. uh, You know, the thing that we didn't see coming. And so that's why I've only got them raising rates uh, twice this year. Right now, they're dialing down their bond purchases. They'll finish that uh, in March. And then at that point, the focus will shift toward the Fed uh, raising interest rates. And as we mentioned, that is good on the savings side. What about the cost of borrowing Mm -hmm. money? Let's kind of apply this to the real world for Joe Average here. Now, mortgage rates are not directly tied to the Fed's rate, but do you expect mortgages and home equity rates to go up in 2022 as well? I mean, uh, in, in in one sense, there's really not a whole lot other direction they can go. They're about as low as they can go. Uh, it would almost be inevitable, it would seem. I do expect we'll see rates go up. Uh, I, I just I think on the mortgage side in particular, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster, but mortgage rates are still going to stay pretty low. And even at their peak, I, I expect mortgage rates are going to be below 4% this year, mm. and they'll settle uh, the end of the year around 3.5%. Now, that's higher than where they are now. Now they've been around three and a quarter or a little bit below that. Uh, so it is higher than where we are starting the year, uh, but a uh, pretty modest increase and, and rates that still compare very favorably to what we had seen prior to the pandemic. And as you mentioned, kind of a roller coaster, you see uh, low rates to start the year, then increasing and then uh, decreasing back toward the uh, end of the year. Yeah, I think as we get to the latter part of the year, fourth quarter, I think there's where you're going to see some concerns about 
economic growth in 2023 starting to creep in. And when that happens, you tend to see those long-term rates uh, that influence mortgage rates pull back. So that's the dynamic I expect at play. And that's why I think mortgage rates will peak uh, at the middle of the year, but where they finish the year will be lower than that because of those concerns. And then you'd asked about the home equity. That's one that's going to mimic pretty closely whatever the Fed does. If the Fed raises rates twice this year, as I suspect they will, your rate is going to be half a percentage point higher at year end than it is now. Uh, so that's one to be mindful of. And if you're in the market for a home equity line, uh, keep in mind a lot of those low rate, really attractive introductory offers that you see today, sub mm-hmm. 3% offers may not be around later in the year. So if you've got a home project coming up, maybe you want to get started on that sooner rather than later, not only to take advantage of those low introductory rates that are in the marketplace today, but also to get a head start on actually repaying that debt keeping in mind that interest rates are going to be rising this year and into next. Some good advice there. What about auto loans? Uh, Cars themselves have been getting more expensive, which has kind of canceled out a lot of the savings that buyers might have otherwise been getting from low rates. But are we going to kind of get a double whammy in the new year? No, this is the good news. Uh, From a financing standpoint, the the backdrop is very favorable. Uh, Yes, rates will go up a little bit, but they're not terribly interest rate sensitive. We've seen this through previous rate hike cycles where auto loan rates really don't increase very much. Uh, don't expect that, that they'll increase very much this time either. And, and even a modest increase, it has an almost inconsequential impact in terms of the monthly payment. So the big obstacles for auto buyers are going to continue to be the limited uh, availability of what's on dealer lots and the price tags of, of what you see there. Um, if I have you know one other tip, uh, in addition to shopping around for the financing is make sure you get your credit in the best shape that you can. That's really the way to make a significant difference in the interest rate you pay. If you've got good credit and you're shopping around for your financing, uh, the financing is not going to be an obstacle in, in any way. You'll get a, a very attractive rate. Uh, the bigger issues are going to continue to be much of what we had seen in 2021 with uh, high price tags and just not a whole lot of uh, inventory on dealer lots. Yeah, and uh, that is always good advice with respect to building your credit before going shopping for a loan. Credit cards are maybe the most common way that rate hikes by the Fed impact everyday consumers, and that's not likely to be any different this year, right? Exactly. And I think this is where there's some urgency. If you have credit card debt, now is the time to get serious about getting it paid off. Grab those 0% or other low rate balance transfer offers that are available today. Not only does that insulate you from rate increases this year, but it gives you a runway to get that debt paid off once and for all. And that's the ultimate goal. You want to get that debt paid off. Uh, So funneling as much cash as you can into getting that debt paid off sooner rather than later definitely a prudent move as, a, as we do expect interest rates to start rising. And credit cards do quickly reflect those rate increases. You tend to see that higher rate show up within one to two statement cycles. So getting busy paying that debt down now uh, does pay off once interest rates start to rise. And that is a, a point worth underscoring that it's not just uh, the fact that credit cards reflect uh, rates, rate hikes by the Fed, but they reflect them rather quickly. So uh, you don't have a whole lot of time to uh, make those moves after the rate hikes are announced. And again, kind of circling back to the positive side of those rate hikes for savers, but everyday savings products, things like CDs and money market accounts and just traditional passbook savings accounts, you say they are not likely to see much of that benefit. 
No, and, and there's a couple of reasons why. One is we're starting from ultra low levels. And, and even when rates do start to increase, they're going to increase in baby steps in all likelihood. Uh, so you, you've got rates low and increasing at a slow pace. On top of that, a lot of banks are very flush with deposits. And so they're not going to be in a hurry to pass along higher rates to savers. So it really puts uh, the emphasis on shopping around, making sure you're getting the best savings rate. Look at online banks, for example, many of them that are already paying competitive yields, they're going to be the first to, to pass along those higher rates. And they'll likely pass that along much more quickly uh, than what you see uh, elsewhere. So that's really the best place to, to be with your savings. But you know, even then, it's, this is going to be a multi-year process. Even once the Fed gets inflation back to 2%, which you know, could be you know, two, three years, it's going to take a lot of rate hikes to get your savings rates up to 2%. So at the end of the year, yes, I think things will be moving in the right direction, but you're still going to be earning less than the rate of inflation on your savings, which erodes the buying power of that money. So it's going to be, I think, a little bit of a hollow victory as far as savers are concerned. Again, bank rate chief financial analyst Greg McBride with us this morning with the interest rate outlook or interest rate forecast for 2022. And you have more of this on your website, right? Yes, just go to bankrate.com. We have uh, the uh, entire outlook for uh, 2022 uh, interest rates, uh, what steps you need to take now to, to get out ahead of that and make the most of your finances in the new year. We'll get it linked up on our webpage. Greg, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, Chris. Thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Our Dumb Criminal of the Day award goes to a 24-year-old man and a 19-year-old woman who are under arrest in connection with a chase and a drug bust in South Dakota. It seems an officer tried to pull over a speeding vehicle early on New Year's Day, uh, but it took off. Uh, led cops on a, a high-speed chase at some points uh, reaching speeds of over 100 miles an hour. The officer says the passenger in the vehicle tried to toss a large bag of what appeared to be methamphetamines out the window, but most of the contents blew back into the vehicle. <laughs> it tried to throw it out, but they were going so fast, and the wind blew, blew the stuff back into the vehicle. The suspects were eventually stopped with spike strips in a small town in the southeastern part of the state and arrested after having to after having failed to get rid of the incriminating evidence <laughs> oh my goodness see this is i if i can just picture the cop chasing this uh, this car seeing the the stuff fly out the window and then get blown back into the vehicle <laughs> thinking to himself well that didn't work <laughs> Oh, goodness. <clears throat> a close second for the dumb criminal of the day uh, comes from Michigan, where uh, a man, a 40-year-old man, name not given in the report, uh, has been arrested following several robberies. Police say they found the man with the stolen property <laughs> after they followed his footprints in the snow. 
<laughs> Every year, this time of year, we have at least one of these stories, and uh, this morning it comes from Michigan. They just followed his footprints in the snow. <laughs> Authorities say when they arrived to the location, when they uh, followed the footprints, they uh, found several stolen items and the man trying to hide in a tree. Uh, he was arrested and booked into jail. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, more COVID nonsense in the broken news. This from the international file. A woman at a local ice cream shop in the western Argentinian province of Mendoza got creative when she realized she did not have a face mask handy. She walked into the ice cream. She wanted to get an ice cream. She didn't realize at first that face masks were required in the store. She didn't have one. So she did the next best thing. She stripped down to her underwear and attempted to use the dress she was wearing as a makeshift mask. <laughs> Security camera footage shows the man or shows the, the woman in the ice cream shop. Other customers there uh, and they are trying not to notice that the woman is stripping down and is standing there in her underwear and flip flops, uh, attempting to fashion the dress into a face mask. Uh, it did not work. She was denied service. <laughs> well, at least she tried. I mean, she did. She could have raised a ruckus and demanded to be served without a mask, but at least she tried. You know, she made the effort, I guess. There is that. A follow-up to the holiday. This is another Grinch story. Oklahoma authorities in search of whoever stole hundreds of Amazon packages right before Christmas. Police received a report of an illegal dumping in a wooded area in Oklahoma County. When they arrived, they found nearly 600 undelivered Amazon packages. While the vast majority of them were opened, said authorities, the ones that were left untouched were mostly books, <laughs> leading to police to conclude that whoever was responsible appears to be not very well read. <laughs> I, I just like that, that story because the police took a, took a shot at the uh, thief. This person appears to not be a very well-read individual. <laughs> they left the books alone. <laughs> And uh, finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this is a little, uh, a little disconcerting. A federal court record has revealed that a flight attendant for United Airlines used a false name while working for the airline for more than two decades. The Diplomatic Security Service filed a complaint with the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas claiming a Brazilian national used the identity of a deceased person from the U.S. Uh, when applying for a U.S. passport in 1998, and it worked. He was caught after the passport used was flagged by the State Department for various fraud indicators in December of 2020, but for two decades, this guy worked for United Airlines on a fake, using a fake name, fake identity uh business insider reports that this individual no longer works for united airlines at least as far as they know <laughs> i mean it got away with it for 20 years do we really know 
that this person is no longer employed by United. Hmm. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN Radio News. We keep you in the know with the events of our community that affect you and your family. Whenever it happens, you can count on us to fill you in with the information you need. We'll also keep you up to date with all the latest from around the Buckeye State with the help of the Ohio News Network. And we cover the nation and the world with the resources of ABC News. The information you need around the clock from your news authority. 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and now at 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Now, we were talking a little bit about this uh, yesterday on the program. I don't think it made it into the podcast, but we were talking about it on the air. Uh, Now we are left with the decision of when to de-decorate after the holiday season, when to take down the Christmas decorations and pack everything away until next year. And I mentioned yesterday that I it seems among those who have very strong opinions about this, <laughs> as we were mentioning yesterday, you want to start a conversation around the water cooler at work, uh, bring this uh, point up and you'll find people have, some people have very strong opinions uh, about this. And those who uh, have the strongest opinion uh, seem to fall in one of two camps. The Those who believe that the 12th day of Christmas, Epiphany, is the day. And and that kind of makes sense. It, it ties into the whole religious theme. You leave the decorations up until Epiphany, and then that's when everything comes down. And that's January 6th, which is Thursday. And I would imagine they'll probably give you... Uh, you know, an extra couple of days through the weekend. So this weekend would be uh, the time for those folks to de-decorate for the holiday. Then there are others who maybe are not particularly religious who believe that, uh, or maybe more casually religious or not religious at all. There are some uh, folks who are not particularly religious that celebrate the Christmas season. And uh, they tend to believe, at least again in my experience, that they like to have everything packed away before New Year's, with the idea being you put the past behind you when you start fresh in the new year and everything from 2021, you pack away and look forward. And and there is some logic to that as well. But a new survey, I thought this was kind of interesting, a new survey, uh, unscientific, but a survey of 2,000 Americans finds three quarters, three in four of those polled say The end of January is the time to pack it all away. If you haven't, by the end of January, that is the time that you need to take all of the decorations down. So use that as your measuring stick, if you will. I thought it was kind of interesting in this same survey, though. 54% of Americans in this survey said that they do not want to be the first to start putting away their festive finery. (laughs) They want to make sure that somebody else is first to de-decorate. You don't want to be the first on your block. And uh, I wonder if these are the same people who don't want to be the first to hang the decorations at the beginning of the season. You don't want to be first with the with the decorations up after Halloween. You don't want to be the, the, the first to take them down uh, after Christmas. Uh, and most, per, most interesting about this uh, survey is that... Uh, Half, nearly half, 
uh, 50% or almost 50% believe that we are being unfavorably judged by our neighbors <laughs> for the length of time that we leave our decorations up. And about half say that they judge others by the length of time that they leave the decorations up. So it's not just, I mean, this is big, this is important thing. We're being judged by others by uh, when we uh, take our decorations down at the uh, end of the season. So just something to think about as we uh, <laughs> postscript on, uh, on Christmas and New Year's and all of that. Well, now that we are past the holiday season and looking ahead to a long winter still to come, the Finley Hancock County Public Library want to keep wants to keep kids engaged in reading all year long, and so they are launching their Winter Read program this month. Youth Services Manager Brittany Lutz is with us uh, on the line this morning, and folks are familiar with the Summer Read program. This is pretty much the same thing, just during the winter time, right? Yeah, that's correct. So it's really similar. It's uh, just a little bit more low-key of a program. We want to keep everybody reading and having fun, but we also know that there's a lot going on with the kids being in school. You know, over summer, they have so much time to fill. So we, right. we do try to keep uh, an awareness that there are a lot of other things going on. So we kind of shift the focus to literacy activities instead of just worrying about like how much can we read mm -hmm. uh we really encourage families to i mean their activities about doing your homework and researching for school something fun that you want to learn more about um we just kind of have a balance of fun reading stuff but also uh just other activities that keep kids engaged in learning and literacy uh while also keeping in mind that there's there's a lot going on and we're very aware of that yeah. it will hopefully just be a fun extra activity that they can do uh over the course of the next month and i i think it's so important worth underscoring that uh, this really uh ties into the fact you know you've got homework and and schoolwork to do and and Something we've talked about before, uh, reading is so fundamental to all of that. It doesn't. It's not just the subject of reading in English. And if you can't read, uh, that is the very basic building block of an entire uh, education. Yes, absolutely. It is. It's fundamental. It's that that foundation that you build all of your other education yeah. around. You know, if you think about how much of math now is reading story problems, sure. you know, yeah. um, there's just so much that you, you need those strong literacy skills for. That uh, fundamental part of uh, education as a whole. So how does Winter Read work? Right. So there are two options. You can participate online through our uh, reading platform. It is called Read Squared, and you access that by going to finleylibrary.readsquared.com. If you've participated in any of our other summer or winter reading programs over the last couple of years and already have an account, you just sign in. It, it will prompt you to register for the new program. And if you've never done it before, you just need a quick sign up. It's just a simple username, password, um, email type of situation. And again, it will let you know that there's a program ready for you to start very soon. Uh, so that program will launch officially on January 9th. 
Okay. Um, so you can go in and you can register now on the online platform, uh, but you won't be able to log yet until that, that date of the 9th when the program actually kick off. So that, so that, uh, by the way, is this coming Sunday, so right around the corner. Yes. And then, yes, uh, very the, soon. And then the Winter Read program continues uh, through how long? I mean, is this through the remainder of the winter or through the month of January? So it's, is- through, it's through February 5th. It's about okay. a four-week program. Like okay. said, we, we like to keep it short and simple so that we have something fun to do, and that will lead right into our winter programs. And I did just want to say real quick, if you don't want to participate, online, you can stop into the library starting also on Sunday, uh, January 9th, to pick up a bingo board, which um, is just a fun little activity that has a lot of the same things that are available on the online platform, but you can just do it on a paper tracker and have fun filling in your little square. There you go. and then you can turn that in when you have it complete to to be entered in for prizes and all that fun stuff. Awesome. So you're going to hang that on the fridge and uh, keep track of it that way if you so choose. Uh, yes, you absolutely. Men- you mentioned uh, winter programs. Obviously, Winter Read is the uh, focus here uh, in this month. Get folks uh, signed up and, and start thinking about that. Uh, but you uh, also have a number of other uh, winter programs uh, that are coming up. Yes, yeah, so our regular line of programming will all be back starting in February. So right around the time that uh, this fun activity ends, we'll have lots of other stuff going on. Our first program will be, I believe, February 2nd, no, 3rd, um, which will be our makerspace programs that we do once a month. And then the following week, all of our story time programming will start. So we have a family program, a family story time once a month in the evening. It's always on a Monday. Um, our preschool story times are Tuesday and Thursday mornings and our baby story times are Wednesday and Friday mornings along with, um, programming for older kiddos, all kinds of stuff. All you have to do is go to the Finley library website and check out our event calendar. It's all laid out for you. A lot of our programs do require registration. Now we are doing them in the library, but we want to be able to do everything very safely. So we're keeping groups small and spaced out. So go onto the website, register for programs, or give us a call and we're happy to help you register for stuff. You know, you mentioned the uh, story time programs, and those are, for the most part, self-explanatory. But for the benefit of those who have not participated in the maker programs uh, before or maybe new to the community yeah. and not familiar, talk a little bit about what that is, what that entails. Right, so Makerspace is very um, STEM and STEAM-based. If you're not familiar with that, that's science, technology, engineering, arts, mathematics. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's always an activity that focuses in that area, and it encourages making, which is why it's called Makerspace, and Mm -hmm. creativity. So there's always a project, but usually there's like stations or various ways that you can explore something. So, you know, it might be engineering, and you'll get to play with snap circuits and build things and do various things. So um, it's, it's just kind of that focus on, on that STEM learning, which is so important as well. And, so you're kind um, of building rocket ships in the basement yeah. of the library there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes <laughs> we've, we've built rocket launchers. You know, they might not have like a blasting and whatnot since, you know, <laughs> got to keep things safe. But uh, we certainly have uh, launched with our own... Uh, a lot of manpower. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, great uh, hands-on activities for the kids. Yes, yes, it's very hands-on, um, and like I said, really focusing on 
not just the end result, but that process of how you get there and how you experiment and um, work through the process of thinking and building and just being creative. And one other uh, point to mention and, and, and bring up when we talk about uh, Winter Read, really uh, all of the programs, whether we're talking about Winter Read or the Makerspace programs, the, the uh, Storytime programs you mentioned uh, geared towards specific age levels. What age level are you looking for uh, or you're aiming at for like Winter Read and the Makerspace programs and uh, things like that? Right. So Winter Read is an all-age program mm-hmm. from birth through 99, 100, whatever <laughs> age you are, there's, there's something Everybody available. Can Everybody can participate. Uh, we really encourage parents to participate with their children. You know, yeah. you're, you're reading to them and that, that certainly counts. You know, modeling uh, reading and the joy of reading is so important, especially for our little ones that are, are mm-hmm. still getting excited about that and for older ones too that might be feeling the burnout <laughs> right <laughs> to see that reading can still be done for enjoyment so yeah the the pro- re- winter read is for all ages we we have um you know our bingo board we have four different ones we have an early literacy one we have a okay. children's one we have a teen one we have an adult one okay and the online program is set up the same way but it automatically sorts you into one so you don't have to worry too gotcha. much about that but okay it really is all ages um, our story times, again, just about anyone can come, but our baby one is recommended for about um, birth through three. And then our preschool story time is sort of that three through five, six, right. you know, when they're getting ready for kindergarten. Maker spaces are for um, early elementary, so about second to sixth grade. Okay. But we've certainly had, you know, younger kiddos, kindergarten, first grade, um, that can do the activities with, if they have a parent with them, usually. Um, It's just, some of the stuff they can do themselves, but if they need any help, it's good to have a parent there to to assist them. So we always give recommended ages, but our programs are pretty flexible in that we we just want everybody to have a good time and we don't want to say, well, you're in kindergarten, so you can't come to that program. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So again, uh, Winter Read begins uh, this Sunday at the uh, Findlay Hancock County Public Library and on the uh, library's website, we have a link up at our webpage for more information on it keep kids uh, engaged in reading all year long. Finley Hancock County Public Library Youth Services Manager Brittany Lutz with us this morning. Brittany, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. And that will close out our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And once again, remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. So check us out online. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.